Hey everyone and welcome to the Greater Than Podcast. My name is Elijah Murrow. So honored and blessed that you're taking out the time to join us again on another podcast today. The Lord is helping us so much, growing and developing us in this season. It's just a beautiful thing. You know, um, I want to shout out a couple of ministers who I respect who have gone on to be with the Lord here recent times, uh, during the time of this recording, recently, by the time this recording is released, it probably would have been a few weeks uh, since they had gone home. But one is uh, Apostle Frederick Casey Price. Uh, what an amazing ministry minister. Um, if you're not familiar with his ministry, uh, you you need to do yourself a favor and go back and, and get some of the teachings and look up some history, man. Like this is one of the first African-American preachers to be on television on a regular basis. Uh, broke, a lo- broke a lot of barriers. Uh, I mean, really a part of um, black history. You know, we have the month in February, uh, Black History Month, really, a, really rightfully so a part of black history. And so I want to shout him out. What a powerful ministry. He, he uh, on his television program, it would come on and uh, the part would say evidence. Does your life show enough evidence? And and I would I would love to say about Apostle Frederick Casey Price, his life showed enough evidence. When we talk about evidence, we're talking about Hebrews eleven. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for; it's the evidence of things not seen. Does your life show enough evidence of you living by faith and walking by faith? So we tribute Apostle Frederick Casey Price. We're thankful for his ministry, what he's meant to the body of Christ, and that he is in the presence of the Father. What an amazing thought. Another legend who went home uh, is Carmen. Uh, if you don't know who Carmen is, I'm not talking about Carmen San Diego now. Listen, I'm talking about Carmen the legend, man, the dude who, uh, man, we're talking about how many music videos we're talking about. We're talking about Witch's Invitation. We're talking about uh, Satan Bite the Dust. We're talking about Slam. We're talking about Mission 316. We're talking about Carmen, the champion, the movie. I mean, we're talking about Riot, a righteous invasion of truth. We're talking about Lazarus. We're talking about, this is Carmen, man. One of the greatest gospel artists to ever do it. A uh, Basically, for me and, and my brother, my brother said it uh, on a post that he put on his Instagram. He said it. He said it very well. Basically, he was our Michael Jackson. You know, that was that was, you know, what we were allowed to see and allowed to watch. You know, that was kind of who he was to us because he incorporated some dancing. He incorporated uh, cool uh, visuals and his music videos, similar to what Michael Jackson did in his music videos. And so, um, man, another legend who went home to be with the Lord after complications from a surgery. So same thing happened to both. There were complications. Uh, one from had COVID-19 with Apostle Frederick, and and then some complications came from that. And then um, Carmen was going in for a surgery, and there was complications. So but anyway, um, I say all this, and I take this extra four minutes to shout them out because of the impact that they've had on me. Um, and I'm so thankful for them both. I know that the gates of, of heaven are were real busy on the day that they first walked through because there was a line of people wanting to shake their hands and tell them thank you, tell them that you're the reason I got saved. You're the reason I got filled with the Holy Spirit. You're the reason I started doing music. You're the reason I started doing this and that. What an award and what a crown that awaits both. And we want to say we appreciate them and we love them. 
Now let's get into this today. You know the purpose of the podcast, 1 John 4, 4. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. What we want to do in the podcast is take what's going on in the world and even culture and approach it from a biblical perspective to find and to remind ourselves that greater is he on the inside of us than he that is in the world. I tell you, it's been fun too. I've enjoyed doing this podcast. I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed all the moments, man, the the times where people have come up to me and said, man, this podcast really blessed me. Man, I've had some epic moments here where people have come up to say, to say to me, you know, your podcast truly blessed me. And I've had the other side where it says your podcast is blasphemous. And I, I listen, I welcome both. I welcome both. You know, um, either one shouldn't move you away from what you're called to do. A compliment shouldn't. And um, not so much of a compliment <laughs> should. You know what I mean? We are called to do what we're called to do. And you step in it, you grow in it, you develop in it. Matter of fact, you, you know, you're not going to be perfect. You're going to miss some things. You're going to have to come back and clarify some things over time. But continue to do what God's called you to do with him in mind. Today, I want to talk about a subject. You see the title. I'm not going to act like I'm revealing the title to you right now. You see the title before, before you click play. I want to, I want to ask a question and, and talk about this really quickly. Hand it over to Satan? Hand it over to Satan? Let's talk about it. Let's pray. If, Father God, we thank you so much for another opportunity to gather around your word. We thank you. For each and every person who's listening today, we ask that you would speak for your servants here in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, here we go. Romans 12, 2. Let's just jump right on in. We're already five minutes in. Good night. <laughs> Romans 12, 2. But it was a necessary shout out, necessary things. And be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good an acceptable and perfect will of God. Did you know that you are supposed to get to a level? A lot of times people are praying this way and they say, you know, God, I just want you to reveal your plan and your will for my life. The Bible reveals and teaches to us that you're supposed to get to a level where you're able to prove it. Uh-oh. You're supposed to get to a place where, where you yourself are able to prove what's the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's a sign of maturity. Well, he goes, he, he says, before we get to Romans 12, we got Romans 8, who says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Well, what is he telling the church? Don't be conformed to the world. Don't be like the world. Don't conform to their patterns. Don't make yourself a copy of the world. The world is supposed to be learning how to conduct themselves by looking at the church, but oftentimes the church has been looking to the world and and as as the church goes that's how the world is going to go because whether you yield to it or not whether you step into the fullness of it or not the church is the dominating force when the church okayed slavery that's when it took over when the church okay when the church wasn't doing things about what happened with hitler i'm not just talking about force we always deal with the root first we deal with the spiritual first but the church wasn't the church wasn't really going forth in that. They were conforming. They were just saying, well, it's a part of life. It's going on over there. I'm over here. You know, wherever that that is, right? When news and word got to them. The church is the one that remained silent when they took Bibles out of schools. And the church didn't do anything, so the world's not going to do anything. Because like I said, whether the world realizes it or not, whether the church realizes it or not, the church is the dominating force. And as goes the church, so goes the world. That's another thought. 
1 Corinthians 5, 1 through 8. He's talking about don't be conformed to the world. You know, there's a we talked about the doctrine of the Nicolaitans not too long ago in the podcast. And here's an example of when the doctrine of the Nicolaitans ran uh, runs rampant in the church of Corinth. 1 Corinthians 5, 1 through 8, Paul had already written a letter. We don't have that letter. The Spirit of God um, didn't see fit that we would receive that letter now. But I tell you what, when I get to heaven, I'm like, where is it at? <laughs> Take me over there to where the books are, man. I want to go to the library. I want to read some things. Uh, I know that what everything Jesus said and did is not written and recorded in the book, but I know it's up here in heaven because everything we've done is written in the book in heaven. So I know Jesus' life is written here somewhere. I want to I want to see those places that's not been written, those places where we don't know and we haven't seen. Uh, Paul said that it's more blessed to give than to receive, quoting the Lord Jesus. That verse is found nowhere in the New Testament. It's a part of the things that Jesus said and did that are not recorded in the book. And I want to see it. There was another book that Paul wrote to the church of Corinth that we don't see. One day we will, though. And he's following up on some things. And he says here in verse 1 of 1 Corinthians chapter 5, It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, and such sexual immorality as is not even named among the Gentiles, that a man has his father's wife. And you are puffed up. You have not you have not rather mourned that he who has done this deed might be taken away from among you, taken away from among you. He wants he's talking about separating him themselves from him. For I indeed as as absent in the body, but present in the spirit have already judged as though I were present him who has done this deed. Notice he talks about him. He doesn't talk about them, but you can't commit this. By yourself. Why is the focus on him? <laughs> Let's keep reading. Him who has done this deed in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you gather together along with my spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, deliver such a one to Satan. Turn him over to Satan has been a something I've heard recently. For the destruction of the flesh, so that his spirit may be saved in the day of our Lord Jesus. I'm looking at the time. Guys, you're going to have to give me more extra time on this one. Well, you already see how long this one goes when you click play. Right now in this moment, we're just over 10 minutes, so I have no idea how long we're going to go. I just know I'm going to need some extra time, so please bear with me. This is important. We need to dissect some things. We need to define some things and see the importance of this, of handing someone over to Satan. What does that mean? All right, here we go. Deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that his spirit may be saved in the day of our Lord Jesus. Your glorying is not good. He's saying you guys are puffed up. You guys are inflated with pride. You're glorying about it. And he said it's not good. Uh, if you look it up, it literally means it's not beautiful. Uh, you think this is a beautiful thing, but it's really not. Your, your glorying is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Therefore, purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump. Since you truly are unleavened, for indeed Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Paul says that there's been, this is reported, that there is some funky stuff going on. And he's saying this is some stuff that not even all, the, not even normal people in the world do. They don't even do this. A man is married his and having sexual immorality, having sexual relations with his father's mother. And you guys are still allowing him to be in the choir. Uh-oh. Paul said that's not right. 
I want you to take him out. I want you to turn him over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit can be saved. He's talking about excommunication, cutting them off, getting rid of the old leaven so the new leaven is not uh, corrupted. The goal of excommunication is not to cast away the excommunicated so that he would utterly perish. That's what it sounds like, right? We, at first glance, that's what it sounds like because of religion, because of tradition, because of fire and brimstone preachers who we got in the back of our ear from when we were growing up or from people we were around, that this is sounding like he's saying, turn them over to Satan so Satan can kill them, bless God. No, that's not what he's saying. It's not for the purpose of ultimate destruction, but that he may be saved. That is by this means his flesh may be turned that he would learn to live by the Spirit. Ooh, that's good stuff already. Let's look at this up in the Passion Translation of along about verse 6 here, 1 Corinthians 5. Boasting over your tolerance of sin is inappropriate. They're saying we have a tolerance for sin. They're boasting about and they're puffed up. And this, this term puffed up shows up so many times in 1 Corinthians um, one instance that I'm going to bring up here that's key is 1 Corinthians 8 verse 1. Now it's touching things offered to idols. We know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. I like to say it like this. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. If any man think he knows anything, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know. Here's what we got to. Remember, and here's what you got to be okay with saying sometimes. I don't know. Uh-oh. I think there's a tendency, especially in, I'm going to call out the word of faith circle, because that's what I've been around uh, for a lot of my life. I don't really subscribe to any to any camp. I don't personally believe in that. I, uh-oh. You can be mad at me if you want to. Come on, Elijah. You got to rep that word of faith. Oh, sure. I but but I understand where, where you're coming from, but I don't subscribe to one group. or Let me say it like this. Somebody asked me in a Bible study that I was a part of years ago, a couple of years ago. They asked me, they said, what denomination are you, Elijah? I told that dear sister, I looked her in the face and I said, oh, I just believe the Bible. I, I don't I don't subscribe to any denomination or any camp. I simply believe the Bible. Now, the Lord has made it so that I've learned from the word of faith people, and I'm thankful for that. Praise God. Great. Awesome. But I've also learned from people who don't necessarily put themselves under the umbrella of the word of faith. Paul said, all things are yours, whether Paul, uh-oh, whether Cephas, uh-oh, whether Apollos. They said, all things are yours. Well, Paul, Apollos, and Cephas, all things are yours. He's talking about the teaching gifts. You, you can learn from more than one. So I don't really subscribe to one camper or the other. I am thankful for where the, God, the Lord has joined me. But once again, it's the Lord. How do I say this? Holy Spirit, help me to say this right. Anything I've gotten good out of the quote unquote word of faith, it came from God. It came from the Father God. Anything good I've gotten from any other camp came from the heart of God. That's what I'm that's my focus. My, my focus is fellowship with the Father, not fellowship with your camp. I pause for effect a longer time on that one. All right, here we go. Let's go back to this. He says knowledge puffs up, 
but love builds up. He's saying you've got all this knowledge. What's the knowledge? What are they puffed up about in 1 Corinthians 5? What are they inflated with pride about? Their revelation of grace. Uh Uh-oh, this goes back to the doctrine of the Nicolaitans that we talked about. Their, Their revelation of grace. And let me ask this question, too. And really, that's a perversion of grace. But let me ask this question. What's going on here? Is this grace? That's point number one. It's 16 minutes in. I told you I'm going to need some extra time. Is this grace? That's the question. What's going on here? What do you mean? Is what grace, Elijah? Well, uh, first, verse 5, 1 Corinthians 5, 5. Deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. The easy to read says it like this. I love what the easy to read says. Then turn this man over to Satan. His sinful self has to be destroyed so that his spirit will be saved on the day when the Lord comes again. The complete Jewish says says it like this. Hand such a one over to the adversary for his old nature to be destroyed. Remember what he goes on to talk about, about old leaven, new leaven. He said, turn him over to the adversary for his old nature to be destroyed so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. The purpose here is not revenge. Man, you turn him over to Satan, man. He's over here singing in the choir. They're singing in the choir. They know good and well. But how many churches, though, would just be like, oh, you know what? It's okay. How many churches and, and some who are, um, the term is, is what, seeker-friendly or something like that? That's a term that's thrown around there. Uh, but, but, but what about these churches that would just be like, oh, it's okay. It's totally fine. You can do that. The, what is that? What is that, ladies and gentlemen? That's that doctrine of the Nicolaitans creeping back in. What we talked about not too long ago, that's having your foot in both worlds. Paganism, that's something that the pagans would do. And Paul says some of the, the normal pagans don't even do what you talking about here, hanging out with and, and sleeping with your mother-in-law. That's uh, having a foot in with the pagans and also in Christianity, a doctrine of compromise. That's what a lot of churches would do in this area because, man, he this guy sings in the choir. And he's got an amazing voice. I don't want to let him go. He's one of the top givers in the church. Uh-oh. I don't want to let him go. I don't want to let her go. She runs the children's department. And I don't have any church. I don't have any organization in mind. I'm just making it relevant for us today. Amen? Amen. Now, Man, this is going to be a longer podcast, but it's all good. We need to we need to we need to know what this means to not just because I've I, I got I've had enough of just swallowing what people say. What does the word mean? What did the words mean? Let's find out from the word of God for ourselves. And I challenge you to do that in any area that you have had doubts about or that you have seen and you are questioning. Get into the word of God about it. Study the word and let the word be its own commentary. I love listening and using commentaries. I use them all the time. Uh, Pulpit is a really great commentary. It's probably one of my favorites. There's some others that I use as well. And so I'm not against that at all. But what I am saying is you got to make sure that you allow the living word on the inside to communicate to you about the written word, to allow the word of God to be its own commentary. Let's go here. Let's let's talk about this turning them over to Satan. It's not for it's not for revenge or not even punishment. It's so that the spirit might be saved at the Lord's judgment. Matthew 18, 15 through 17 is what G is where how Paul gets this from. Paul is picking up from what Jesus said here. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you and you've gained your brother, but if he will not hear you, take with you one or two more 
By the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word shall be established. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses to even hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. What is he saying there? Let him be like a heathen or a tax collector. Turn him over. Separate yourself from him. What does it mean to deliver such a one to Satan? Remember that, by the way, such a one, such a one. Remember that term. Deliver such a one to Satan. What does that mean? Well, if you, if you don't let the Bible interpret the Bible, as we said earlier, you come up with some bizarre and the interpretation of what Paul's saying here. Well, he's putting a hex on him, man. He's like that WandaVision. Shout out to WandaVision, man. We, he's putting a hex on him. <laughs> he's going to let the devil get into his mind. Anyway. That's not what Paul's saying here. Look, put a hex on him. You know what I mean? Uh, have a seance here. Let's do some satanic ritual where the man is being offered as some kind of human sacrifice to Satan. No, that's not what he's saying. We need to compare scripture with scripture and let the Bible give us the interpretation of what he's saying here. Jesus said here in Matthew 18, 17, this is what Paul is basing this off of, which lets us know that the, the other things that, that Jesus said was probably done. Um, the, the offense was probably this brother. And there's a couple of stages here, right? If the brother sins against you, you go and tell his faults between you and him. That stage must have happened. They must have gone through that stage and that happened and the brother didn't repent. Okay. And he said, but if he won't hear you, take it with one or two more witnesses. That probably happened too. And then the man didn't repent. So then you tell it to the church and then the word got to Paul. But notice what Paul tells him to do. He tells him, here's what you do. I want you to do this. He says, I want you to do this. When you do this, I want you to do it gathered together. It's the same thing that Jesus talked about, two or three witnesses. I want you to do it gathered together with my spirit with you as well. When you cut this man off, when you confront him, and when you finally say to him, we can't have you singing in the choir anymore. We know you're a top giver in the church, but we can't allow you to be here anymore. We've got to cut you off. You are ex excommunicated from this church, from this body of believers, from the kingdom of of God, the kingdom of his dear son. Let's go back to what Jesus said. And let's let the Bible interpret what's going on here of turning someone over to Satan. And if he refused to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses then to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. If he refuses, if he refuses to do, uh, if he, if he refuses to, to yield, if he refuses to repent, he is the equivalent. This is the equivalent of placing someone in the same class as the heathen. Or let me say it like this. that What's another word for the heathen? The world. And we're not to be conformed to the world. You put him in the same class as the world and you put him into the realm of Satan. There's two kingdoms in the world. We understand this. If you've been around. I mean, if you don't know this now, you know, glory, glory. There's only two kingdoms out here. We're talking about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of, of, of darkness. We got to realize that. We got to realize what, what's going on here. If you're not under one, you're under the other. He's saying, kick him out and allow him, take him, take him out of the church. And he's out from the umbrella of the protection that comes along with it. We're going to talk about that more here, but let me go. Let me, let me look at this. We're, we're asked the question is where we were. Is this grace separating yourself excommunicating him. Like, this is Paul. What? Come on, Paul. What are you doing, Paul? You better call Saul, man, because I don't know what's going on with you, Paul. What are you doing out here? Here's what's going on. Is this grace? Well, let's go to Leviticus to answer this question. This is the message translation. I know some of y'all don't like the message translation, but tough. Anyway, it's my podcast. You don't have to listen. 
Leviticus 20, 9 through 11. <clears throat> Message translation. Any and every person who curses his father or mother must be put to death. Well, wouldn't you say that what this man did in taking his father's wife is a form of cursing his father? So what should happen to this man? Well, he should be put to death. He should be stoned. All right, great. That's one. That's one. Okay. That's strike one, right? I mean, strike one alone will kill you. You know, we're not talking about strike three. Then you're dead. No, strike one killed you. All right. That's strike one. By cursing his father or his mother, he's responsible for his own death. I mean, listen, the blood's on his own hands for what he's done. If a man commits adultery with another man's wife, the wife, say of his neighbor, the man and the woman, the adulterer and the adulteress must be put to death. That's strike two because he had adultery. He committed adultery with another man's wife. They were hanging out. And now, you know, Elijah, you can't help who you fall in love with. The heart wants what the heart wants, right? Well, there's so certain situations. Well, there are situations and times where you just, you don't allow yourself to commune with certain people. You don't do that. You're not hanging out with someone else's wife and just chilling and talking about, and she's confiding in you, telling you that her husband ain't big enough. Oh, don't let me, don't let me, hey, now, don't let me get it real relevant up in here. Don't let me get it, don't, don't let me, I, you know me, I don't care. I, you, do you know who I went to youth with? Some of y'all who know who I went to youth with, you know the answer to that question. I ain't playing around. I'll, I'll tell it like a T.I. is. She's over here telling him, man, he just doesn't, he doesn't, uh, uh oh, next, and then you, you got this going on. Next thing you know, there's an entanglement. Oh, whoops. Uh oh, I love you, Will Smith. Next thing you know, some inappropriate things happen. Confiding in someone, trying to help someone. You know, well, we just, we, we like to talk. We like to hang out. We like to have, there, you don't do that. You've got to separate yourself. You don't be conformed to the world. Don't do that. I know, I know she's banging. I know she looks good. <laughs> I know she looks good, but that's not what you're supposed, that's not what you're called to do. You are called to live a life that's separate. And you only do this by the power of the Holy Spirit. But when you've been yielding to the flesh, for so long, and the appetites of the flesh for so long, we eventually have to, because you you're not even a, you're not even allowing the spirit of God to lead you. It's one thing that you're endeavoring to let the spirit of God lead you, and then you you fall. That's that's another thing entirely. But you're not you you don't care. You you're open about it. You're like, listen, we're together. I'm in the choir. I'm one of the top givers. Is that a problem that we're together? And the church's response should have been an emphatic, yes, that's a problem. You're out of the, you're out of here. We're kicking you out. You're not under this, this anymore. You're not under our umbrella anymore. Is that grace though? Well, according to Leviticus, well, let's keep reading. That's strike two. If a man has sex with his father's wife, uh oh, he has violated his father. Both the man and the woman must be put to death. They are responsible for their own deaths. That's strike three. This man could have been stoned and put to death three times over, both of them, three times over. Is this grace, Elijah, excommunicating him, separating yourself from him? Yes, this is grace, because under the law, they would have been stoned. And I ain't talking about on no doobie. I ain't talking about the doobie brothers. 
what a fool believes is that he's going to come around here and act. No, no, no. What a fool believes is that he's going to come up in here and act like ain't nothing happened and be on the choir box and then be singing and everything when he knows that's what a fool believes. I tell you what, minute by minute, the, the odds are stacking up against this guy. He ain't going to be holding on for long. Not around here. See, but that's grace, actually. That's actually grace. Because under the law of Moses, Paul would have been told him, stone him. It would have been appropriate. It would have been right. It would have been all right based on the Torah. But God and Jesus came to give us the, and fulfilled the law, and he came and he gave us grace. Under the Torah, this is totally appropriate to go down to happen. But I tell you what, under grace, not so. He's saying under grace. Well, how, how do we handle this under grace? Second Thessalonians. Well, we just read it, honestly, in Corinthians before we got to here. But Second Thessalonians 3, 13 through 15, Passion Translation. Brothers and sisters, don't ever grow weary in doing what is right. Take special note of anyone who won't obey what we have written and stay away from them so that they would be ashamed and get turned around. Does that sound like grace? Ashamed? We want them to be ashamed and turn and get turned around. Yet, don't regard them as enemies, but caution them as fellow believers. We're talking about believers here. Don't, don't, don't approach them as an enemy, but caution them as fellow believers. That's what we do under grace. Under grace, we're not stoning people. We're not trying to put a hex on them. We're not cursing them. Even though Deuteronomy 27, 23 says, cursed is the man who lays or has sex with his mother-in-law and all the people that were in attendance said amen to it. They said that so be it. They established the matter. But Jesus came and redeemed us from the curse of the law. So there's no curse on, on them. We're not pronouncing a curse on anybody. What we're simply saying is we got to separate ourselves. What is Paul saying? He's saying, I want you to maintain social distancing. I want you to, I, I, I want to make sure that you're not gathered. I want you six feet apart. I don't want you around that brother. I want you quarantined from him. I, put him in quarantine. Point number two, man. Let, don't, don't, I'm over here making it too relevant. Point number two, the destruction of the flesh. Let's talk about that a little bit. Acts 26, 17 through 18 says, Jesus is talking to Paul here, giving him the calling that he's uh, going to be called to do. Well, actually, he's Saul at this point. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom now I send you. You notice that the Lord will deliver you from people first deliver you from their influence, deliver you. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. He delivers you from these things. And then he gives you, and then he turns you back over there. He gives you a room and place to go back and minister to those people. But you first got to be delivered from them. He had to be delivered from, he had to be delivered from the Jews. That's religion. He had to be de delivered from the Gentiles and the prejudice racism that he had allowed to go on in his heart and mind. That's another podcast entirely to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. What is he, What are we saying here? Why do we bring this verse up? Because this is the opposite of what he tells him to do in Corinthians. It's the same kind of wordage here. 
turn them over from darkness to light is what he's telling them to do initially when they get born again. But if they're yielding to the things that would be a danger to the flock that would leaven the whole lump, he's saying, what I want you to do is turn them back over to Satan, Satan's domain, Satan's reign for the destruction of the flesh. Now, you got to stay with me. Because like I said, this is going to sound funky, but you know, but we got to stay with me here. Let's, let's continue to walk this path and let's get some more light about this. Paul said in 1 Timothy 1, 19 through 20 to Timothy, having faith and a good conscience, some have made uh, rejected concerning the faith and have suffered, suffered, excuse me, shipwreck. And he goes on to talk about a couple of people who've done that. And he says, this, these people, I've delivered them to Satan. That they may not, that they learn, excuse me, not to blaspheme. So he says he handed them over to Satan, not for their final ruin. He's not saying I'm handing them over to Satan for their final ruin or for their destruction. That's not what he's saying to hear at all. He said, I've handed them over to Satan. And he did this in a kind and, and, and loving way. How could you do that in a kind and loving way, Elijah? Stay with me. Stay with me. He's doing this in a kind way that they may learn not to blaspheme. He's not saying I turned them over to Satan so that they can die, so that they can have, so, so they can fall dead like Ananias and Sapphira, right? He's, that's not what he's saying. No, that's not my heart. I delivered them to Satan that they may learn. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, the saying goes, you live and learn, not you die and learn. If he wants them to learn, he must want them to live. He's not putting the hex on them. He's not putting Christian voodoo on them. Some people teach and preach a, a Christian voodoo, whether they realize it or not. I had to pause. I had to pause. Now, listen, he said, I want them to learn not to blaspheme, to deliver someone to Satan for the destruction of the flesh is not re it's not referring to the destruction of the body or physical death is referring to the destruction of that, which is opposed to the spirit. Or in other words, it is the destruction of that, which is carnal in the man that keeps him from walking in the spirit. Oh, that's good. I want you to turn him over to Satan. He did not say for the destruction of his body. He said, turn him over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, the part that's opposed to the spirit. We want to turn him over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that the spirit can be saved. First Corinthians 5, 5, in light of this, let's read it again. Deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of his flesh so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. I'm sorry, I said for the destruction of his flesh. It doesn't even say that. He says, deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that his spirit. Oh, that's good when you slow down and read. For the destruction of the flesh, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. I talked about the pulpit commentary. I was studying some things in that commentary and it brings up about for the destruction of the flesh. This is what it really means. All the carnal influences in him might be destroyed. That's why he's turned him over. It is not that his body is to be destroyed, but the flesh. He didn't say his flesh either. He said the flesh, but the flesh or 
the evil impulse, the true intention of excommunication when exercised in the right spirit is not wrathful, but merciful. See why we have to take extra time? We got to look at this thing and, and allow our, the, our eyes to be open. See, because he was yielding to the flesh and the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. Galatians 5, 17 and 18 says, and the one is contrary to the other. You can't have the, the flesh and the spirit aren't going to hang out together. So he's saying you guys are yielding to the spirit. He's yielding to the flesh. Turn him over to Satan. Put him over into the realm of Satan. Not so Satan can kill him, but so that the man can realize what oh, man. Let me say it like this. Turn him over for the destruction of the flesh. Let's say it like this. Turn him over so that his flesh can be crucified. Turn him over to Satan for the crucifixion of his flesh so that his spirit can be saved. Those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with his passions and his desires. You know what he's really saying here? What he's really saying in, in separating yourself, practicing social distancing, uh, getting a place where you're not around him, you're not hanging out with him anymore. He's not invited to Taco Tuesday anymore. You know why he's really saying that is you're doing this. What are you really doing? You're doing what Jesus said in Revelation 2.21. You're giving them time and space to repent. Give him time and give him space. To repent. I want to talk about something. He's talking about casting them out. He's telling them, separate yourself, cast them out from among you. Uh, the Bible talks about with the unprofitable servant in, in Matthew 25, he talks about, uh, I want you to take the unprofitable servant, take the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 for the one who has more will be given and he'll have an abundance. But from the him who does not have even what he has is taken away. And he said, cast that unprofitable servant into the outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. I'm going to read an excerpt from Rick Renner's Sparkling Gems from the Greek. If you do not own Rick Renner's Sparkling Gems from the Greek, and you know me personally, and you know me as a friend, I tell you as a friend, or maybe you just listen to the podcast and it's a blessing to you. By the way, if you haven't, reach out to me. I'd love to meet you and love to hear your name. You can message me on Instagram. You can message me on Facebook. I'm not some guy that's far away. No, man, if you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you, man. And listen, let's have a conversation. Let's talk if we haven't met yet. But for all my people who know me, please do yourself a favor if you haven't already. Get, go on Amazon Kindle or maybe go on Amazon and get you sparkling gems from the Greek. It's daily devotional with, with Greek words, the meaning of the Greek words. Once again, no agenda, just what does the word mean? What is it saying? It's a beautiful thing. He talks about weeping and gnashing of teeth. And I'm reading from his, um, his book right now. And I quote, it is a fact that in New Testament times, almost every large city Remember, Jesus, uh, Jesus said, uh, if someone's not going to be conformed, if not, excuse me, not conformed, but if someone's not going to repent, you treat them like a heathen, you, you cast them out. That's what Paul told him to do also in 1 Corinthians 5. That's where he got it from. You cast them out. What are you doing? You're casting them out from the realm of the kingdom into the realm of darkness. You're not telling, you're not taking them, you're not letting them go to hell. I don't believe he's talking about hell right here. There are times where weeping the national teeth shows up and it is in connection to hell, but I don't believe that's what this is. 
He said, you take the unprofitable servant. He said, you cast him out. You kick him out of the organization. He's fired. You separate him from us. You separate him from the organization. You take him out in the outer darkness. Now, what is this he's talking about with outer darkness? Okay, let's go back to here. And I quote, once again, I quote. That was an end quote, by the way. I didn't say that, but you obviously you should have known that I went back into Elijah. But we're going back right here to Sparkling Gems. Lord, help me. I'm so excited. Here we go. It is a fact, and I quote, in New Testament times, almost every large city had huge stone city walls that protected the city from intruders and from lions who roamed the countryside. The residents of the city often dumped their garbage over the top of the walls in certain places of the city allowing the trash to fall and build up around the base of the huge stone walls. Because this garbage included unused food, lions from the countryside would come to the base of the city walls late at night when it was very dark to pillage the trash and look for food. These large piles of trash became sites where authorities tried to determine the guilt or innocence of individuals suspected of crimes but not concretely proven to be guilty. The authorities would tie the suspect criminal with rope, lower him to the base of the city walls during the darkest hours of the night, right into the midst of the garbage where the lions roamed every night. And if they found the suspect alive the next morning, he was judged to be innocent of his crime. But if he had been devoured, it was assumed that he had been guilty of the crime of which He had been accused. Even if the victim was found alive the next morning, he was usually insane or on the verge of total insanity. In fact, his teeth were usually ground down by his own nervous gnashing and grinding of his teeth as the lions prowled and roamed and roared all around him all night long. This is where we get the phrase, weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's derived from the experience of suffering agony and even insanity as a result of being cast out into other darkness, end quote. He's saying that what they would do is they would lower somebody. They would tie him up. They didn't know if he was innocent or guilty, didn't have enough evidence. So here's what they would do. They would just tie him up. This is this is so weird, man. Oh, my gosh. This is so wow. They would tie him up, lower him down where the garbage was. There goes the voice again, cracking a little bit. I got to point it out every time. I love doing it. You got to put him down where the garbage is. Right. And the lions are roaming. They're out here. They're in the community. Now They're over here like, you know, they're, they're roaming around. And so they lower him down. And if they found the man dead, they would just assume, oh, he's he's totally guilty. He's guilty. What are they doing, though? They're casting him out. They're delivering him over to lions for the destruction of the flesh. This is another I believe this is another indication of what it is, because what are you doing when you separate yourself? You're taking him out of the kingdom. You're taking him out of the kingdom. Oh, their spirit, their spirit's going to be saved. But you're taking him out from fellowship from those who are in the kingdom and you're turning him over to Satan's realm, but not so he can be destroyed, but so that his spirit can be saved. The crucifixion of his flesh to a place where he he's at a place where he's uncomfortable. One translation says for the destruction of the flesh, uh, it looks if you look it up, it means to shock him, shock him. He needs to be jarred. 
He needs to know that what he's doing is not right. This is a serious offense, what he's doing. Elijah, that's not grace. Yes, it is grace. If we were under the law, he would have been stoned a long time ago. This is grace. This is grace. To separate yourself, to turn him over to Satan, to allow him, just like those people in the city walls, to lower him down. But he's saying that when you when you would do that, you would find that person a lot of times weeping and gnashing their teeth. Now, why would they do that, Elijah? Why would they just say if the man was still alive, but probably completely insane? Why on earth would they do, uh, just say, oh, he must be innocent? Well, I'll tell you why. Daniel in the lion's den is one of the chief reasons why I would think that would be the case back in those days. Because Daniel was thrown in the lion's den. He was innocent. The lions didn't eat him. So they say, oh, that person must be innocent. But the man, he's unnashed his teeth. He done grinded his teeth to the bone. Because those lions are roaring. You know, the Bible talks about another roaring lion. Someone who tries to make himself, pass himself off as a roaring lion at least. But he, he doesn't have any teeth. Satan. Let's, let's wrap this up. Point number three, restore such a one. Point number three, restore such a one. Remember, I told you to remember that, such a one. Let's see the conclusion of this story and let's see if Paul really meant for this man to go insane as what we read here about casting someone out into other darkness. Does he want him to go insane? Does he want him to die? Let's look at the conclusion here. Second Corinthians two, three through 11. And I wrote this very thing to you, lest when I come, I should have sorrow over those from whom I ought to have joy. Having confidence in you and having confidence in you all that my joy is the joy of you all. For out of much affliction and anguish of heart, I write to you with many tears, not that you should be grieved, but that you might know the love which I have so abundantly for you. He's saying this. I, I wrote that letter with tears. He's saying it was not easy for me to write and tell you to excommunicate that brother. But if anyone has caused grief, he has not grieved me, but all of you, to some extent, not to be too severe. This punishment, the punishment we just read about in First Corinthians that the whole podcast has been based upon, this punishment, which was inflicted by the majority, is sufficient for such a man. So that, on the contrary, you ought rather to forgive and comfort him. He's saying now it's, it's sufficient. The man has changed. Uh, here's what's appropriate to do now. Forgive him and comfort him. Lest perhaps, watch this, such a one be swallowed up with too much sorrow. The same thing could happen to him that would happen to the man who would be cast out of the city and uh, for weeping and gnashing of teeth, he would come and succumb to agony and insanity with being swallowed up with too much sorrow. He's saying, pull him out now. Don't let him. Don't allow that to happen. I urge you to, to reaffirm your love to him for this. Excuse me, for to this end, I also write that I might put you to the test whether you are obedient in all things. I want to test you and see if you'll obey me now that I'm telling you to receive him because he has changed. Now, whom you forgive anything, I also forgive. For if I for if indeed I am for I have forgiven anything, I have forgiven that one, that guy for your sakes in the presence of Christ, lest Satan should take advantage of us for we're not ignorant. Of his devices. He's saying, don't allow that man to be separate anymore. He is repentant. His heart has changed. Now go get him before he succumbs and he is swallowed up 
with much sorrow. The Amplified says it like this in verse seven, instead of further rebuke, now you should return and graciously, there's grace again, forgive and comfort him and encourage him to keep him from being overwhelmed by excessive sorrow and despair. King James said should be swallowed up. The same metaphor of being swallowed up is, is it's like in an in abyss. It's like what we're talking about um, with with uh, casting them out in the outer darkness. The, those people were swallowed up with anguish, with, with with agony, with insanity even. And they were found to be alive, but they were insane because they had been separated from the protection of the kingdom and the city for too long. So Paul said, don't allow him to be out there. Yes, we, we, we put him out. We had to. That was grace. We put him out, but now he's come to himself. Get him back in here. We don't want him to be swallowed up. That same word that swallowed up is also the word that said about Satan who is ever striving to swallow up men. First Peter five, verse eight, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil walks about as a roaring lion, seeking lion, seeking whom he may devour. Let's read that in the Young's literal translation, which is one of the best translations going. Be sober, vigilant, because your opponent, the devil, as a roaring lion, doth walk about seeking whom he may swallow up. It's the same Greek word when Paul said, I want you to get him out of there. I don't want him to be swallowed up with too much sorrow. I don't want him to be devoured by the enemy. We turned him over to Satan to jar his flesh, to shock him. Because if he's just hanging out at Taco Tuesday with everybody, he doesn't see and realize that what he's done is wrong and can affect the whole body. So I need you to social distance yourself, quarantine him, take him out of the city, take him out of the church. Do not allow him to sing in the choir. Do not allow her to teach him kids. Turn them over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. Not so they would die, but so the destruction of, not the destruction of his flesh, but the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit can be saved. Restored. <laughs> he said in, in Galatians 6 verse 1. Well, he said much sorrow. When he says overwhelmed with much sorrow, let me, let me break this down fully. He says, overwhelmed with much excessive grief. We read that in the Amplified Version of uh, first, uh, 2 Corinthians 2.7. Much ex extensive grief, despair that would result or might drive a man to suicide. He's saying, you get him. You pull him out. He has had a change of heart, but we've got to put him in. Now we've got to bring him back in. We, we've taken care of the flesh, but we don't want him to get to a place where he's so swallowed up with sorrow that he pulls a Judas and he kills himself. That's not what we want. We want him to be saved. He says in Galatians 6 verse 1 as we wrap it up, and I hope we've shined some light on this thing, Turn, handed him over to Satan. What does that mean? Turn him over to Satan. We're... Galatians 6 verse 1 says, Brother, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one. In a spirit of gentleness, the King James says, in a spirit of meekness, considering yourself, 
lest you also be tempted. The word restore here is the same word that's used for mending the nets, mending nets. It's also found as a medical term for setting dislocated limbs. He's saying, I want you to, you who are spiritual, reset the dislocated limb because this is the body of Christ and a member is out of joint. I want you to reset him. If he, if he will allow yourself, if he will allow him to, if he will allow himself, if he'll yield to it, I want you to reset him, bring him back in. 1 Corinthians 4, 18 through 21, as we, as we wrap this up, last verse that I have, but I may recap a couple of things. Now, some are puffed up as though I were not coming back to you. There's puffed up again. We talked about that at the beginning of the podcast. But I will come to you shortly if the Lord wills, and I will know not the word of those who are puffed up, but the power. For the kingdom of God is not in word. The kingdom of God is not just talk, ladies and gentlemen, but it's power. What do you want? Shall I come with you with a rod or in love? Watch this, with a spirit of gentleness. King James says, with a spirit of meekness. Paul's heart from the jump. And then he goes into 1 Corinthians 5.1, correcting this situation. Paul's heart from the jump. He said, I'm, could I, should I come in a rod or should I come with a spirit of meekness? Paul's thoughts from the jump was to restore this brother. Why? Because he said, let him who's spiritual restore such a one in a spirit of meekness. And he says, I'm going to come in a spirit of meekness. Which one is it going to be? Is it going to be love? Is it going to be a rod? Or in love and a spirit of meekness. His heart was always for it to be to restore this one. But everybody's not going to repent always. So he said, when I come back, do I have to come with a rod? He's saying, do I got to run this guy out? Or do I return in a spirit of meekness, wanting to restore a person? Because if they're not going to repent, what do you do? You leave them out in outer darkness. You let them stay there. Not because you're mean. Not because it's not, oh, that's not grace, Elijah. Ladies and gentlemen, it is grace. According to Leviticus, the man should have been stoned three times over. This is grace. He's saying, I want him to turn him over for the destruction of the flesh. Not so the man would die, not to put some hex on him, but he, we're de he's delivered him over to Satan for the destruction of the carnal influences that are in him, for the destruction of not his flesh, but the flesh, the evil impulse, not the destruction of his body, but the destruction of the flesh. When, the, when excommunication is done in the right spirit, in the spirit of meekness, when it's done in that way, it's actually a mercy. It's not wrath. It's mercy. He's saying, I want you to turn him over for the destruction of the flesh, for the crucifixion of his flesh. Make him uncomfortable. He's not invited to Taco Tuesday or whatever it is that you're doing, <laughs> whatever it is that a bunch of believers are gathered around. You're not inviting him to the small groups anymore. Why? You need him to come to himself. You're doing what the ritual, uh, what the father did, the loving father did with the prodigal son. He, he gave him the money and let him spend it on riotous living. He did not go after him. But as soon as he saw his son coming back to him, he left the porch light on. He was in faith that his son would come back. As soon as he saw him come back to him, he ran to get him. 
He ran to him. He wouldn't even let him come. See, some people in the church be like, no, nah, they got to come to me. They got to come back to me crawling and begging to be back a part of this church. But if you see even the inkling and even the, even a, a, a smidget, even if you see just a vestige in them of repentance, of a heart that's wanting to repent, Paul said, if you're spiritual, you'll restore him. You'll set him back in You'll set him, ooh, you'll set him back in place. Ladies and gentlemen, this is what it means to hand someone over to Satan. He said, I'm handing these guys who are teaching falsehoods, I'm handing them over to Satan, not so Satan can kill them, but that they may learn not to blaspheme. Not for their final ruin, not for their damnation, but so that they would learn something. Learn not to blaspheme. I want them to learn. I'm turning this person over to Satan. I'm telling you to turn him over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh, not the body, not physical death, the destruction of that which is opposed to the spirit, the destruction of the carnality that's in that man. So he that keeps him from walking in the spirit. But as soon as you see that he's willing to repent, as soon as you see that he's wanting to come back, you get him quickly. You restore him quickly. You set him back in place quickly. You mend the relationship quickly so that the enemy doesn't swallow him up. Let me pray for you. Father God, thank you so much for your word, the truth that's in your word. Oh, it makes us free. It gives us life. Father, I thank you that this word communicated by the right spirit would get touched the right ears to let us know that there are some times that we need to hand people over to Satan, not for the destruction of their body, but for the destruction of the flesh the nature that is enmity against God so that the spirit can be saved. And Father, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. I pray that my heart was conveyed and Father, my heart was to do this in a spirit of meekness. And I give you praise for that, sir. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, leave a re review on the podcast. Let us know that the podcast is blessing you. We want to hear from you. We want to know what's going on in your life. We want to stay connected. I love you guys so much. My name's Elijah Murrow. We went a little longer. Thank you so much for, for coming and being a part of this ride and, and going all the way to the end. I want you to remember this now. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Thank you for listening to the Greater Than Podcast. If you'd like to learn more, please visit us at MurrellMinistries.com. That's M-U-R-R-E-L-L -L Ministries.com. Merle Ministries International.